Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Everyone and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, we are going to talk about the love of my life. No, I'm not talking about the trumpet, and I'm definitely not talking about my wife. I'm obviously talking about powerlifting. For the last four years of my life, A significant chunk of my free time has been taken by spending time in the gym working out, watching YouTube videos to gain as much information as I can, and experimenting with different workout programs and dieting styles. What started as a goal to get a six-pack and to stop being so out of shape has blossomed into a complete lifestyle change. Not only has my health and fitness gotten better over the years, but the knowledge I've gained about how to program, how to perform the exercises in a given program, and the mindset you need to actually make progress has affected my trumpet playing in an interesting way. I find myself being much more methodical about how I break things down, much more so than before I started training in the gym. In some of the masterclasses I've done recently, I've touched on some of these concepts and how to apply them to your own practice, but I just never find that I can explain it quite as thoroughly as I'd like to. So I thought a podcast would be a great place to break this down and explain it as thoroughly as I want to. The title of this episode is Powerlifting and Music, What They Have in Common. For those that aren't familiar, powerlifting is an actual sport. Much like Olympic weightlifting, it consists of a few movements that athletes perform at a competition or, in the case of powerlifting, a meet. The exercises that comprise powerlifting are the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift performed in that order. A meet will occur on a given day, and all the athletes have three attempts to perform the particular lift that they are on. The total of your heaviest completed lifts make up your total, and that is the number that matters for powerlifters. For example, if an athlete has a first attempt squat at 200 pounds, a second attempt at 250 pounds, and a missed third attempt at 300 pounds, their squat total would be 250 pounds. If their best bench was 200 pounds and their best deadlift was 400 pounds, their total for the meet would be 950 pounds. For these athletes, nothing else matters except how they perform on that day at that meet. It doesn't matter if they've deadlifted 700 pounds in the gym two weeks before. If they can't do it at the meet, it does not count. As a result, their programming is influenced by this. Rarely ever do they max out during training, as maxing out won't help them improve their skills, it only displays their skills. This is quite applicable to musicians, as often our skills only need to be displayed on a concert, a competition, or an audition. 
What we do in the practice room matters, but how we perform under pressure matters more. There is a lot to unpack about powerlifting programming, such as specificity of exercises, off-season training, mobility and flexibility work, as well as managing fatigue and recovery. For the purposes of this podcast, I'd like to focus on what powerlifters do to improve the squat, bench, and deadlift specifically, and the variables they manipulate to achieve improvement for the meet that's coming up, as well as trying to maintain long-term progression. The first of three variables we will discuss in this episode is volume. Volume can be defined as sets times reps or the amount of work you do in a given training session. This variable has multiple applications, but generally speaking, when you hear powerlifters talk about being in a volume block in their training, they are referring to a period of time where they are performing three to five sets of six to 12 reps on an exercise, increasing the weight over a period of three to four weeks. They use lower percentages of their one rep max, which allows them to accumulate a lot of perfect repetitions in order to master various cues they need to help them perform the movement safely and efficiently, as well as adjust their body to a higher work capacity. When you listen to elite level lifters speak about volume, they understand that this phase of lighter weights and higher reps is essential to their overall improvement at demonstrating their one rep max at a meet. This phase is often 8 to 12 weeks away from the date of the meet, so they aren't concerned about moving heavy weight at this point. They're more interested in executing the movement as perfectly as they can for every repetition. Ideally speaking, every repetition from the first to the last should look the same. The nice thing about volume is that it's infinitely adjustable. If you need to progress, you can always add more sets or more repetitions. You can't always add more weight or train for more days, which I'll touch on later. To apply this to our musical practice, this means that we need a phase early on in the process of learning something where we perform whatever phrase or piece we are practicing at slow tempos for many repetitions. Practicing a piece at full tempo at the beginning of the process amounts to a fruitless endeavor as it often leads to ingraining improper technique and wrong notes. If we can put our ego and pride aside, there is no reason to be playing a piece at full tempo if we start early enough. The beginning of the process should ideally be filled with perfect repetitions, so that we only learn the way we want to perform the piece, not be practicing mistakes that will be hard to unlearn later. The way that I've tried to integrate this type of practice into my own practice is I try to find a goal tempo for whatever section I might be playing, and then I'll find 60% of that particular tempo. After that, I'll decide I'm going to play it five times at 60%. 
The result will hopefully be five perfect repetitions. And although it may feel like that's not enough or it's not fast enough to feel like it's going to help you play it at your goal tempo, it doesn't really matter at that point. I know five perfect repetitions at any speed is going to help me play it at the goal tempo more than hacking through it five times at that goal tempo. The next day, I might pick a different section and do that five times at 60% over the course of time trying to get to a point where I can play the whole piece perfectly at 60% of whatever my goal tempo is so that I have a base for which I can improve upon. The second variable powerlifters manipulate is intensity. Intensity can be defined simply as the amount of weight on the bar. The higher the intensity, the higher the weight. It's pretty easy. Looking back to our previous section on volume, that phase would be considered low intensity so the reps can be high. When the volume is high and the intensity is low, powerlifters can focus on cues that will help them be more technically proficient, as we discussed. When the intensity goes up, however, these cues become harder to focus on, as the focus tends to shift toward just trying to push as hard as you can and complete the lift. As a result, higher intensities are saved for later in the programming block, after they've worked to perfect their technique in the volume phase. When they perform at a meet, they need to be able to display their strength in one single repetition. So unless they increase the intensity and practice single repetitions, they will miss essential practice specific to the sport they are in. All that being said, though, their high-intensity efforts are still not max efforts. Volume work is usually done between 60 to 75% of a one-rep max for low sets and high reps, Intensity work, however, is often done from 80 to 95% for high sets and low reps. For example, when the intensity is high, they might perform two to five sets of one to three reps for a given exercise. This won't produce as much of a muscular stimulus as volume work will, but it does produce a significant neurological stimulus, and that is what ultimately is going to help them feel comfortable on the platform. If they skipped the volume work, they would miss out on all that perfect practice, most likely leading to the intensity work being uncomfortable and counterproductive towards the goal of executing a one-rep max with efficiency. To translate all of that into something that would be useful for musicians, it means that at some point in the process of practicing a piece of music, we will need to speed things up. Although slow practice is necessary to improve technical proficiency, as the weeks of practice go on, we need to start practicing in a manner that reflects what we will need to do to execute on the given day of the concert or audition, etc. For example, if you started practicing four months ahead of the performance, you might start worrying about speeding up your repetition two months into the process. This allows for plenty of time to work on cues, such as how you want your air to move, 
practicing dynamics and articulation in slow motion so they can be ingrained, as well as the ability to ensure you're hearing every interval clearly in the volume phase, and then plenty of time to increase the practice tempo gradually in the intensity phase. In powerlifting, the only downside of the intensity phase is that when the weight goes up, too many repetitions will fatigue the body, resulting in diminishing returns on your efforts. Although we may not experience the same fatigue, I think there's some real value in lowering your overall intensity repetitions so that the bulk of the work you do overall on a piece will still be in the lower tempo range and in the perfect repetition range. An example of how I've tried to incorporate intensity type work into my practice is similar to the method for volume work, but instead of slow tempos for high amounts of repetitions, I'm going to play higher tempos for lower repetitions. So something like 80%, 85% of my goal tempo, and maybe play it three times. Or maybe if I want to test how something like Petrushka might feel after doing some work on it, I might find 95% of my goal tempo and play it one time there. Playing it 95% gives me the feeling of what it would be like to play it at tempo, but still just a little bit of tempo taken off will make it so I can really still work on ingraining the proper way to play it. Even if the repetitions feel harder or less controlled in the intensity phase, because I'm doing fewer of them, the majority of my repetitions will still be at a tempo where I can handle it. The last variable that powerlifters will manipulate to help them feel confident in their skills as well as allow for more practice of a given skill is frequency. Frequency can be defined as how many times per week you perform a given lift. Especially when learning a new skill, performing the skill more frequently usually leads to more technical proficiency. Think about it. Which scenario sounds like it would produce a better result? Doing 16 sets of an exercise in one workout, probably accumulating a significant amount of fatigue during it, leading to a reduction in quality of repetitions toward the end, or 16 sets over two workouts, where you would be able to manage fatigue and keep the quality higher over the same amount of sets. Frequency also allows us to be able to practice the skill more often, leading to a better learned motor pattern as you would have four days in between performing the lift instead of seven. This variable allows us to lower the volume and or intensity on any given workout and make up the difference later. In our own musical practice, instead of practicing a given piece or phrase for three hours, accumulating both physical and mental fatigue, it makes more sense to practice the same material for an hour and a half on two separate days. This makes sure that we can practice the piece we want to improve upon, as well as be able to address general fundamental practice that will improve our overall abilities on the instrument. Using increased frequency, practicing lower volume, higher intensity in the later part of our programming means that 
Although we will only play a given phrase two or three times in a practice session, doing that two or three times during the week will add up to quite a few repetitions that will most likely be of much higher quality than if we just performed them all on one day. There is also the concept of undulation, which means to vary the intensities throughout the week. For example, a way I might implement this is on Monday, I might play a section five times at 70% of whatever my goal tempo is. Wednesday, I'll play it one time at 90% tempo. And then Friday, I would play it three times at 80% of the goal tempo. In this sample week, you would have accumulated nine repetitions, eight of them being at a tempo you can improve your technique with, and one of them being at a tempo that will adequately simulate the feeling of 100% of your goal tempo. This is a basic example of how all three variables can be used together to create a program that will address all of your needs as a player working to perfect a given piece. understand much of this episode was pretty technical, but for me, it's pretty cool that my love of powerlifting has enabled me to think so much more deeply about my approach to practicing the trumpet. In my own experience, as well as the experience of many people I talk to, figuring out what to practice and how to practice it seems to be among the biggest challenges of mastering an instrument. If you find yourself to be one of these people... I challenge you to really try and digest the material in this episode and then give it a try. Pick a page-long etude that you don't know and work it up so you can play it at 60% tempo. Over the course of one month, spend two weeks playing it purposefully slow, working to improve each and every part of what is difficult about that etude. Then spend another two weeks gradually increasing the speed so that at the end of the month you can perform it again. The best idea would be to record it at both the beginning and the end of the process so you can really see what worked and what didn't. Although programming can be talked about in general terms, it's never really as effective as it can be unless it's personal for you. This could be a great way to start learning about how you can learn. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so on Facebook. I have an artist page, so just search RB Trumpet and you should find it. I'd also like to thank Dan Carson and his brothers for the intro and the outro of this podcast, as well as my former student Brett Bellamy and his band Empire Springs for the music within the podcast. Uh, They're on Facebook. You can check them out. They're really awesome. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening.